Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. It's the Satellite Sisters. Hi, this is Leanne Dolan. I'm Monica Dolan. This is Sheila. I'm Liz Dolan. This is Julie. Real sisters, real life, real conversation. Tackling the world one cup of coffee at a time. The Satellite Sisters. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. It is Tuesday, what? It's Tuesday, September 20th. How is that possible? I am Liz Dolan. I am in Santa Monica, California, joined on Skype. Uh, by my sister, Julie Dolan, in Dallas, Texas. Julie, how are you? Hey, Liz. Well, how are you? I mean, we spent the weekend together, so I know how you are. So how are you? Well, you know, I'm great. I love this time of year. But I did this morning as I was out early walking my dog, Ferris. I saw the first Halloween decorations up on a private home. And I'm just thinking... September? Can we just at least wait until October for the Halloween decorations? I don't no, know. I know people are enthusiastic about Halloween. I just like to keep things, you know, in their appropriate timing. It seems like a long season if you start now. <laughs> Not at all, Liz. You got to get your decorations up. The problem is the the pumpkins rot. If you buy the pumpkins now, they're going to be rotten by the yeah. end of October. Yeah. But Whatever they don't ask, they don't ask for our opinion, Liz. So okay. we have a big show, huh? We, have we do. Big- we actually have some breaking news on today's show. You know, there was sometimes on Tuesday morning you start to organize your thoughts, and then boom, something comes over the internet at you, and you can't believe that Angelina Jolie has filed for divorce from Brad Pitt. You know, and I know we've heard this news before, but this sounds legit. So we have to address Julie. We're gonna. Yes. We're going to do that. Uh, then I have a little bit of a report under the whole banner of listness, not business. What have I really been thinking about and doing? So I'm going to fill people in on the choices I am trying to make with the rest of my life. That's good, Liz. Well, I also, I have a new sport for you. This is going to be ideal. It's going to fit in with your new lifestyle, Liz. I even think our sister, Leanne, who uh, hates hiking, and this is related to hiking, is going to enjoy this sport. So I'm going to tell you about that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. And at the very end of the show, we have an announcement of our new season, because you are not going to believe how long we have been at this. But it is a labor of love, and Satellite Sisters continues on. So new season news uh, at the very end of the show. Okay. But first, um, Angelina and Brad. Maybe this really is a sign from the universe, Julie, about how I should be spending my time. <laughs> Why is that, Liz? Because well, how are you? How are you in any way related to Angelina and Brad and their untimely divorce? Well, you know, you remember I have slept with Brad Pitt. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, I forgot that, Liz. <laughs> yes, forgot. So maybe you should explain. Explain. Yeah. yeah. Here's the here's the way that happened. You know, I, I'm sure I'm not the only woman out there that can claim to have slept with Brad Pitt. But the uh, this was 2004. I realized because it was right around the 2004 election, which I remember because he when we met uh, and slept together, he was wearing a t-shirt that said Carrie on it. So that's how I remember it was, it was election week, two, 2004. Okay. Um, we were both on the same plane headed to the same place. It was mm-hmm. a flight from London, England to Johannesburg, South Africa mm-hmm. and on uh, Virgin Atlantic. 
And so it was an overnight flight. So I got all settled into my seat. I looked across the aisle and noticed that that there was nobody in that seat. So, uh, and the plane seemed very full. But then at the last minute, who did they whisk in? Like who was directly across the aisle for me, but, but, but Brad Pitt. And it's so amazing. So amazing. So amazing. Heart stopping. Really? Yes. Didn't your heart stop when you saw that it was Brad Pitt? Well, yes. And you want to tell someone, but who are you going to tell in that environment? You know, you kind of try to meet the gaze of the flight attendant because Uh you're assuming the flight attendants are also like, Oh my God, that is Brad Pitt. I don't know if they tell them in advance that your VIP passenger is Brad Pitt. Probably not. But anyway, so, uh, and as I say, it's a, it's an overnight flight. So it didn't take very long. You know, there you get served a little bit of a meal or whatever. But then what did we do? We each unfolded our beds and we each got our little blankets. And Virgin Atlantic, they give you those pajamas you can sleep in. Mm. Given... did you and Brad get in the matching pajamas? I, I, I could not wear those pajamas in front of Brad, whereas I normally would have been tempted, Julie. Uh, no. I you somehow thought you were going to look chicer or more desirable to, to Mr. Pitt if you were in your stayed in your street clothes, your all-black street clothes that you were obviously traveling in? You know, you, those thoughts actually do go through your mind. As <laughs> I, can, I can imagine. If you're lying next to Brad Pitt, you know, you gotta, you got to bring your best game, Liz, right? <laughs> so then, you know, people sleep, it's dark, whatever. And in the morning, you know, when you've been on these long overnight flights, which I know you have been, Julie, yeah. people are not at their best in the morning. And No, you look bad. There's Your hair looks bad. Your skin looks bad. You know, you you know, usually you you're you're you haven't brushed your teeth, yeah. the men haven't shaved, uh no one's showered. Yeah. It's it's just bad all the way around. All yeah. the way around. Everyone looks bad in that situation, except for Brad Pitt, who looks yeah. awesome first thing in the morning. Even when <laughs> Even when he has uh, been in the same environment you have. So uh, he got up before I did, but I saw him get up and go into the lab there, uh, the airplane lavatory. And then a woman behind me got up and kind of unwitting. She was standing there waiting, but I, I she did not know who was in there. So yeah. I was just delighted to watch what this reaction was going to be. Like... <laughs> You have never looked worse in your whole life, and now the door is going to open, and Brad Pitt, Dreamboat, is going to be standing there after, and you're at your ugliest possible moment. And sure uh-huh. enough, he's in there for a couple of minutes. I'm sure making himself look even better than he would look. How and is that? How is it even possible that he could know. look even I'm better? Sure he br- I'm sure he brushed his teeth. You know, just the basics. So threw a little water on his face and he comes back out looking even better. But she, when he opens the little accordion door and steps out, she literally like reared backwards. (laughs) Like, like she thought she was hallucinating or something. Well, that can happen on a long flight too. You, yeah, you would see images. Yeah, that could happen. Oh, so I just laughed and laughed at that. Anyway, we never did really have a time to um, uh, share contact details, Brad and I. But you know. We shared that whole long night uh, sleeping together. And I've often thought about Brad. And <laughs> Liz, you, you've had more than most women could ever dream of. You know, you've had a night with Brad Pitt. You know, your life is pretty complete, Liz. I know, but I do have a lot of time on my hands now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so when the word came through this morning that Angelina had filed for divorce 
and that is that it's disputes over how to raise the children and whatever. I, I oh, is that what it is? I was with a group of women when the when the news broke, Liz, and uh, in my small mini survey of those women, they all blamed Angelina. That's <laughs> <laughs> Yes, no. I, I would think in the satellite sisterhood, normally we would side with the with woman, the yeah, but no, not in not in this case. Hundred percent of the women blamed Angelina. <laughs> anyway, we'll see. I mean, the the news I saw this morning, it was like TMZ. So who knows? But they are usually close to to the actual facts, especially when it comes to a um, uh, some sort of legal thing. So uh, anyway, so I have that that I that I could work on. Um, but then the, uh, I did have a dream last night, Julie, that I'm just going to try out on you. And then we have to take a break, uh, for our new sponsor. Last night I had a dream that my new job was making car bodies, like automobile bodies, but they were custom for LL Cool J. (laughs) (laughs) That was your dream? That was my dream last night. Like, I dreamed that I worked for LL Cool J making automobiles for him. Uh, you know, Liz, I was hoping, because you said you were going to mention a dream, uh-huh. and I was hoping I was going to be able to uh, to offer some interpretation, but <laughs> I really don't know where to go with this. I'll have to tell you that. Okay. Then I mean, because we've, we've had dream interpreters on Satellite Sisters yeah. in the past, and, it's the, and I recall that they said that it is a portal. Yes. The dreams are a portal into some underlying wish or desire interest that you have all right well you think we have to take a break right now uh to introduce our new sponsor you can think about it during the break and when we come back maybe you'll have an idea if not people can post that in the facebook group so we're going to take a break right now we'll be right back we are the satellite sisters Okay, and we're back. Um, did anything come to you, Julie? <laughs> well, again, I was—I woke up thinking, well, maybe me and LL Cool J, maybe that's something I should look into. But now yes. that I know Brad's available, that went right out of my head. Well, but it could, but see, maybe LL Cool J just represents a celebrity, so maybe it is—it is your your need that you want interest uh, to be with a celebrity. So that's right. it. The car, uh, car manufacturing, I just never saw that uh, as part of any interest of yours. But yeah. maybe, Liz, it's that you want to make something. You know, maybe. you want to build uh, something. Yeah. And that is not something you've done. And you've said that in this next chapter of your life, you don't want to talk about things. You want to, you know, do stuff. So mm-hmm. but that could be something there, Liz. Okay. What do you think? I was thinking maybe it just meant that I liked LL Cool J's body. You know, <laughs> that it was... Oh, oh! So is that kind of dream? You know, that sort of metaphoric body, you know, the car body, whatever. Anyway, so, um, so yeah. All right, moving on. If people have theories about that, uh, and you're a member of the Facebook group, you can go ahead and post those there. I'm uh, interested in any and all interpretation. Then one other thing under the Lizness Not Business hashtag, uh, which you can always follow on uh, Twitter, by the way. Last week, Julie, you and I headed to the family wedding for the weekend, but for three days before we were headed to Massachusetts, I stopped in New York City just for fun, just to, like, see friends and have fun. How about that? 
for a lifestyle. Uh, well, you haven't done that in years, Liz, yeah. because I mean, you lived in New York City, but you were always working. So, uh, uh, and if you were traveling, you were always working when you were in New York. So yeah. you just went and you were a tourist and having fun. Nice, Liz. Boy, did I, did I have fun. Well, here's one thing I did. And then other plans kind of developed from this. I read a review in the, pap- in the paper of a show called Spamilton. And Spamilton is a spoof of Hamilton. And it's created by the people that have done a series of these spoofs called Forbidden Broadway. And they've done Spring Awakening and they've done the Book of Mormon. You know, they've spoofed a lot of Broadway shows. But this review in multiple papers said this was convulsively funny. Well, <laughs> that's a, that's a, that sounds like a funny show, Liz, if, that, it, if that, you're in. Yeah, that has my name on it. So so I booked, as soon as I read it in the paper, I booked tickets to see Spamilton. Because I saw Hamilton a year ago. But Did you really? Yes. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I saw it when it was, it was just a miracle. It, when it was in previews on Broadway, before it had officially opened, I like happened to be there and had one night to kill and I just thought, you know, I keep hearing all this stuff about this show. Hasn't opened yet, but like, and whatever. I managed to like wrangle a couple of tickets. I took my friend Judy, who you know, mm-hmm. and uh, we we went to see Hamilton on the Monday when their real opening night was the Thursday. So, oh, wow. Uh, anyway, so I've been obsessed with it ever since, though I try to keep it to myself because I feel like Hamil fans, as we call ourselves, uh, Hamil fans um, are getting really obnoxious about how great that show is, right? So I try not to talk about it too much. But then when I read the review of Spamilton, I was like, this has my name on it. This is this was designed for me. So I bought tickets, and then I started re-listening to the soundtrack, which I had tried to put away because I had been obsessively listening to it for so long. But once I started to listen to the the Hamilton soundtrack again, Julie, I realized that I was seeing Spamilton last Wednesday night. And then I went online to see if there was any way I could finagle a ticket to Hamilton for the Wednesday matinee. Really? Liz, <laughs> you're in deep with Hamilton. Oh, oh. Even though you've already seen it. And because it just does, it seems like you probably wouldn't want to see Spamilton unless you had seen Hamilton. Yes. Right? Because yes. You would I would say that. It would not yeah. be funny unless you had seen the show. Or okay. part of it would be funny, but you really. So I had seen it, but really it was a year ago. It was vague. So I felt like in order to appreciate Spamilton at its best, I needed to see Hamilton again. So that's what, in fact, I did secretly do all by myself on Wednesday afternoon. That Uh, is binge watching, Liz. (laughs) It was great. You know what? Just even better the second time around. I don't want to be obnoxious about it. Even though a lot of the original cast is now gone, still, if you get a chance, go. Go see it. Okay. Because that was going to be my question. Now that all the stars uh, that won the Tonys are out of the show, do you think it still has the same energy and uh, makes the same kind of impact? Absolutely. Yes. Okay, good. You know, it's just a fascinating story. The music is so fun. It's just unbelievably energetic. You just feel just exhausted by the end of the show. You can't imagine. Like, as I was walking out, the fact that that cast had to do it again that night, the two-a-days on Wednesday, I don't know how they do a Wednesday. But anyway, also as I was walking out, um, 
friend of Brad Pitt, uh, Sean Penn, was seated right behind me in the theater. <laughs> of, so, of course he was. <laughs> of course he was. Anyway, so the Hamilton Spamilton double, that, that is not something I would have done in my old life. But Lizness Not Business, yep. Hamilton's good. I, I think it. there should be like some special t-shirt that you get that you did that, like, you know, and a double header that you saw Hamilton and Spamilton. It would be good. You'd be a bit part of an elite cl- crowd. Was Sean Penn going on to Spam- Spamilton? No, no, but he was going backstage, Julie, which, oh, well, which I didn't. was not. So oh. whatever. But that's mm-hmm. when I left the theater and I was walking up the street in the theater district in New York. And who do I literally like bump into on the sidewalks of New York? I but Bernie know. Sanders. <laughs> Bernie, uh, this really made me laugh. He was coming out of the Hilton Garden Inn. Bernie Sanders. Okay. Well, you know, he's a socialist. He's, I, not, he's, not, he's, not, he's not staying in those fancy hotels. He he's is not, not. Trump Tower, Liz. Uh-uh. It really was like, and he was with like two guys and they got in the car and they drove away. It was mm-hmm. like, there was no entourage. There was no motorcade. He was coming out of a Hilton Garden Inn. Anyway, so that was, uh, that's all my business, not business from, from last week, Jules. So that's my complete report. Okay. Well, it's very good, Liz. It's very strong. It has a lot of celebrities. I like that. <laughs> you're, you're really, you're still, it's quite a bit pretty intense, Liz, about your, your free time that you're doing oh, really? these double headers. Am I working Just a hard? little note. Just a little, you might want to try to dial it back now that, you know, you, you do have a little more free time, but if you, you know, but if you want to do that, you know, that's good. So I'm proud of you. Okay. All right, Liz, are you ready for some Tuesday trends? Because it's Tuesday yeah. and, I ha- and I have some trends. Uh, there was a headline this week that the CEO of Lyft. Now, I know you take Uber, but do you do Lyft as well? You uh, know, I have never tried it. And it, I have to admit, it's purely because of the pink mustache. I just, I, as, a, as a branding and marketing person, I just object to that as, really? a, as a brand identity. So it's, yeah, that's it. I'm sure okay, it's because fine. it's supposed to be like, you know, more affordable. The drivers are supposed to be happier. You know, it's a better deal for them. I don't know. I, but I've only taken Uber, but it's not because of the mustache. But anyway, the CEO of Lyft, and that's L-Y-F-T, has, says that in five years, all it's going to be all driverless cars, all driverless cars for mm-hmm. Lyft. Mm-hmm. That is where they're going. So, so they're, they're testing out right now um, in Phoenix and in San Francisco, two unusual places because San Francisco is pretty hilly, seems yeah. kind of dangerous. Phoenix is a little flatter. I think that's good. They're just at low speeds. These all these cars are going under 25 miles an hour. You know, this, so there's not there's no highway driving yet, but they are testing out driverless cars. So what do you think about that? Do you think that's a, a move in the right direction? Are you going to get in a driverless car? And when are you going to get in a driver's, driverless car? Here's what I would say. I have been so wrong so often (laughs) on predicting the adoption of new technologies. Uh I mean, longtime listeners know we've been on the air for a long time, 16 years, by the way. More on that later. Uh, You know, I remember the first time on Satellite Sisters we ever talked about Twitter, Julie. Yeah, yeah. And it was then just called microblogging. 
And I think I recall that someone might have even used the phrase, whose bright idea was that? Which occasionally we say about things. Whose bright idea was that? Well, we felt that about Twitter. You know, we have felt that about a lot of new- YouTube. We thought we could understand. We could not understand YouTube. Well, yes, well, that was another thing. Well, we watch other people's videos. Yeah, why would you do that? No, yeah. th- that was never going to happen. YouTube. Well, Here was yeah. another thing never going to happen. People watching things on their phone. Right? Never. Oh. No. <laughs> Whose bright idea was that? So <laughs> I put the driverless car. In that category where I am 100% certain we are going to be wrong about the level of adoption that driverless cars experience and that five years from now, we will th- we will think nothing of it. Everyone will just be jumping in a box and going wherever they want. Right. Uh, so that's, that's what I think. I mean, I'm in favor of it. I mean, because I have to say as much as I like Uber and I like using it. I mean, every time I get in a car, it's like I'm getting in a car with a perfect stranger, you know, and I'm just, I always say a little prayer. Oh, please don't be an axe murderer. Please, please just don't be an axe murderer. So I think the driverless car, that's maybe that's better. You know, that's, uh, I, I, I mean, but if you change, I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm sure we're going to be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I no doubt. And I think it's good for us for where we are, um, demographically let's put it let's put it (laughs) delicately that way because we know how hard it was to take the car keys away from our parents right right Right. that was that's a brutal thing to go through with your parents and i know a lot of satellite sisters out there have had to do that and you don't want to do that again but now it means that for us nobody's ever going to have to do that to us because we'll just be able to have our own driverless cars, Julie. There'll yeah. be there'll be no excuse to take the car away. So I'm for that. Okay, I'm for that. okay, I'm for that too. I, it might open up, you know, whole new worlds for people. So that's good. Okay, yes, and okay. it will actually create quite a bit of additional mobility for people that are not yeah. currently that mobile. Right. So, I think it's. You I think know, it's despite good. my disbelief that it is real and that it could work, uh, I'm pretty certain uh, I'm wrong on that. So, yep, all for it. Uh, Liz, you have some free time. I think you should test one out. That's what I think. Okay. Here's trend number two, Liz. Okay. Apparently, young people do not want to sit down in a restaurant. You know, some of the affordable chains like Chili's, Ruby Tuesdays, mm-hmm. they're going out of business, Liz. Their, their business is way down. And the reason they say their business is way down is young people do not want to sit down in a restaurant, give their order to a human being, and then wait for that order to be served to them by a human being. They oh. just want to grab and go. They want to eat in their driverless car. They want to they want to like stand in front of the refrigerator and eat or stand in front of the sink. They do not want to sit down. Oh. Well, what do you think? Again, whose bright idea was that? I don't know. I like I I understand not wanting the slowness of a traditional restaurant. I you know, because I'm often by myself. Like, I like to just like, go sit at the bar, order something quick, and then you're done. So I'm for that. But the grab-and-go, I never, ever eat in my car. I do, not, I do not find that satisfying at all. Yeah. So I'm not doing that. And just bringing everything home, yeah, I, you know, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I, I like the being out in public, doing a little people watching in restaurants and things. So I just don't think that there's a substitute for that. 
Okay, well, we'll see. But some uh, some of those restaurants may not make it. Okay, trend number three, um, and this is really happening. It's not a joke, but there are about <laughs> thirty to 50,000 people worldwide that have already done this, and that is electronic implants. You've seen Born Identity. You yeah. know how he had the little capsule in his back. So they can now do this, electronic implants that they put under your skin, and this can be for something like the key to your house so that you never have to lose your keys again, Liz, that your key is actually in your arm. It's on your, you know, it's under your skin in your arm. So you just go up to your house and wave your arm and the door opens. Okay. And you can wave it to lock it, or they can put your medical information, um, um, in a little capsule under your skin. So that if you, you know, in the same way people wear medical bracelets for certain conditions, this is like these electronic implants. So you can get one so you wouldn't lose your keys. What do you Mm -hmm. think about that? Or would you like your medical info on a little capsule under your skin? So no matter what happens to you, somebody would be able to see that. And then, you know, if they took you to the hospital, presumably they could fish that out of you and uh, find out, you know, know how to treat you. I would say I am for the latter. Medical info, yeah, that makes total sense to me. But the former, like, how lazy do you have to be? (laughs) to never want to open your own front door. Again, whose bright idea was that? So I don't want to sound like a Luddite, but just as someone who has moved a lot, as have you, Julie. Yes, yes. So then you're going to have to reprogram this chip every time you live in a new... I mean, maybe that's... Oh, I hadn't even thought that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe they just run a scanner over you and it reprograms it. I I don't know. It's done by radio frequency. It's activated by radio frequency. Uh, That's how it works. But um, And that's inside your body? Yes, it's a, it's in, it's like an injectable. It's an electronic. It's an implant. It's under your skin. Mm, I'm sure. Again, the chances are 100 percent that I am wrong on this. Uh, I would I would be slow to adopt the keyless entry from my body. Like even this weekend when I had the rental car in. Uh, you know, when we were driving up to the family wedding right. in Massachusetts, right. you, you get those rental cars and they have the keyless fob thing. And because I don't have that in my normal car, I just could not figure out how to turn the car off, no matter what I did. You know, you find yourself waving <laughs> oh. your arms like an idiot to try to get the car to turn off. I had to get out the driver's manual to figure out how to do that. You, you know, did? Yeah. No, I know once you've done it a few times, of course you remember it. But, but every car is slightly different, so whatever. Uh yeah, but see, this is, I mean, they, you know, they, they said that having these implants with your identification, that this would, this, these tags essentially would eliminate uh, mistaken identity. I think that's all, great. Yeah. Yeah. You hey, can, we, do, we do it to our dogs. Yes. You so know. We, we access, um, you know, this, they could access your medical records. And it's sort of, in some ways, it's like the next step from a medical bracelet. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's good for travel. Like, what if you were in a foreign country, you know, and uh, you would have your contact information on there? You faint. You could put Brad Pitt's contact information <laughs> right in there, Liz, and he could come and rescue you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Or, or, or LL Cool J. Either, yeah. either one would be fine. Uh, yes, I'm totally for that. That makes that makes total sense. So where do we sign up for that? Are people right. doing that now, or this is a well? This is in like Denmark. They they're doing it in Denmark, Liz. <laughs> so, um, but I think again, you have some time, so you can investigate that and and get on it. So. Sure. Okay. okay. All right. Here's okay. So I do have also, it's kind of a trend and it's a new sport. And I think it is something that I, I'm going to really recommend it because I think it's a great idea. It's called forest bathing, forest bathing, Liz. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this, but here's the thing. It does not require any water and you are not taking off your clothes. Okay. There's no nudity involved in forest bathing. It started in Japan And in Japan, it's called Shinrin-yoku, at forest bathing. And what you are doing is you you are immersing yourself in nature to improve your well-being. That they do this in Japan, they they have these forest therapists that lead walks, very slow walks, into into a forest the ideal forest would have two-thirds canopy tree canopy where you know it's very quiet and you move slowly so that you can feel you know that you can take in the forest with all of your senses you know so you can you know smell the pine needles feel the stones under your feet and this is supposed to you know improve your well-being it, uh, by doing this slow, mindful walk, you can contemplate nature and indeed improve your, sp- you know, your spirit and and hopefully your health. So, but it's taking off in this country as well. You can do it here in the U.S. Um, there are a number of places that you know it's, it's showing up in spas and state parks and retreats where they have these forest therapists that are leading these walks uh, through it. Doesn't that sound nice? Sounds delightful. Okay. It, so it really they, does. It's, you know, it's obviously like a meditative walk, right? Yes, yes. You know, but better than when you're in those spirals and just going around and around in circles. Right. Uh, I do not have the patience for that. But, I mean, walking through the woods, yeah, it's always a good idea. Right. You know, I mean, one of the things, is, one of we, the things should... I loved most about living in Portland, Oregon all those years is Forest Park is a major, uh, I think it's the biggest urban park in America, but there were just many mornings where, you know, with my friends, we'd be out for a run in the forest. It's so beautiful and calming. And in Portland, where it rains so often, there's a very thick canopy of trees. So you're not getting drenched when you're in the forest the way you would if you were out on the street. So this is slightly different, I know, because it's more about a meditation. But yeah, I I like it. But are there forests near you in Dallas, Texas, where you could try this out? I I don't know. But I know there's one. I don't know where Sugarloaf Ridge State Park in Kenwood, California. I don't know where that is, Liz. We'll have to look it up. But they have a forest therapist that will lead walks, and it's $30 for an hour's walk. Uh, if you live in, do I uh, really need to pay someone to lead me on a walk? Yes, Liz. If you, yes, okay. Otherwise, you're just walking. Okay, there there might be you might there might be something to this how to how to walk, Liz, and how to experience the uh, the forest bathing. Okay, you're not a forest therapist, right? <laughs> no, I just question whether I really need one to understand how great a forest is. But okay, okay. all right, everybody has a right to make a living. Okay, uh, a Mohawk 
and Mohonk Mountain House in New Paltz, New York. They do it as well. They're a little pricier. It's a 50-minute walk in New York, but it costs $160. That Now, that seems a little steep. Yeah. I mean, you would really need to have some, I, I, I think, you know, to, you'd really need to have some evidence that your health was going to be improved yes. for $160. <laughs> okay, but, so I'm looking up Kenwood, California now on yeah. uh, Google Maps. It's uh, It's six hours and 34 minutes from me. Okay. Uh, but it's in wine country, Julie. So that sounds like that's where you want to go. That's- yeah, I think you could do it. The national park um, uh, system does uh, does not have, they don't have um, any forest bathing going on right now, but they do have a program called Healthy Parks, Healthy People. How about that? And it's the, it's a restore, it's the restorative quality of spending time in nature. So I think we should get uh, get on this sport of forest bathing. It can, you know, it can't hurt. That's what I think. Okay, more you're time right. can't hurt. More time in there. So, okay. So those were my trends, Liz. Um, but uh, I guess I'm. I also I also wanted to mention to you. You know, it is the start of the TV season. It's mm-hmm. coming up, Liz. You know that. Mm-hmm. And I I really was perplexed because I had someone recommend to me two shows uh, this week. Well, really three shows. Have you ever heard of the show called Wentworth? It's a story of an Australian prison uh, uh, prison uh, for women. It's supposed no. to be very good. No. Or another show called Mozart in the Jungle. Have you oh, heard yes. of that? That one, uh, that's won a lot of major awards. That's okay. from Amazon, right? Yeah, I have not seen that. Yep. And then I just read a great review of the new, I think it's an ABC show called This Is Us, or maybe it's an NBC show. I don't know. It's an it's NBC to, show. It's, a, it's supposed to be a tearjerker. So anyway, so my point is there are all these new shows in addition to the you know shows that I normally try to watch uh, on PBS or Madam Secretary. So I just, I, I think like a lot of people, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. Like how am I possibly going to watch all these shows? Sure. Well, like, it's what like, they call peak TV, Julie. Just in, in a world of peak TV, it's very hard to figure out what to watch. Okay. And I know you're a former TV executive or, or a current TV executive. I don't know <laughs> how you see it. But uh, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal by Alexandra uh, Samuel who who wrote a book about working smarter with social media. And she felt like she needed to watch a lot of television for her career. And so she developed a five-question rubric, Liz, to uh, to figure out how to organize um, her selection of television. So I thought I would share with that with you. And I knew, you know, being more, much more informed about TV than me, I just wanted your opinion. Okay. So first of all, First of all, she, uh, she, or the first question she always asks is, what's worth watching? And so she reviews Metacritic.com. Do you, Medic, do you go there? Do you I don't go that? there, but I, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Or Facebook. She uses Facebook. She asks sure. her friends. That's a, the, so she makes up a list of possible shows, gets those recommendations. Then the second question she asks herself is, how much attention does this show uh, warrant? That she feels that there are some shows that are totally suitable for multitasking, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that the plots are not that difficult, that she can be doing other things and still watch, for example, covert affairs, okay, that it, that is not that hard, or blind spot. Yeah. I don't watch either of those shows. But she said other shows are require full attention. And, you know, she lists, like, the Americans as, as oh, in, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, like you have to pay attention because it's everything's very subtle there. So there, so now she has a list of shows. Then she separates them into two groups of how she can do that. 
And then, then she figures out um, who is she going to watch these shows with. Okay. Now you have certain shows I know you watch with Ferris. Okay. And then you may have shows that you watch with other friends. Uh I know I have certain shows that like, I'm just not going to force my husband to watch them. I know he's not going to watch them, but she does the same thing. So she goes through and she says, you know, she knows her husband is never going to watch Madam Secretary or The Good Wife, but she wants to watch them. So she has to create time slot for solo watching versus group watching, you know, with when you're getting together with friends and uh, family. So this certainly sounds like a lot of work just to pick a TV show, but okay. Everybody has their system. There's more. Question number four, Liz, Uh is where will you watch it? Is this a living room TV show or is it a bedroom TV Uh show? Yeah. Okay. See, that's a big, this is, this can be very helpful. So you see now that's another separation out that, you know, that certain shows, you need to be sitting upright for, and others, I, I think, are much more enjoyable if you're lying down, don't yeah. you think? And then so, they're the ones you watch on your phone, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, how are you going to watch it? You know, that which, you know, uh, like what device? Are you going to watch it on your phone? Oh, yeah, right. Your, your computer? What's available? You know, uh, what, you know, uh, you know how, so, she, so she has all of that. And she's made up this complex rubric based on on these five questions and the responses to it, and then slotting the d- different TV shows into all, all these different um, areas so that she can has time to see it. And she watches, she says, up to 100 shows. Wow. That really feels like she has just sucked all the fun out of it. <laughs> Doesn't it? I mean, I understand a little preparation is good and your time is valuable, but that's a lot of decision making. Uh, but, you know, if it helps you get to the shows that are the most worthwhile, I can understand why some shows you want to watch with other people. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, if you're with someone else and they're going to be constantly complaining about it, it's not worth the trouble. So, right. so right. I get that. Okay. Wow. That's, that's a lot of work. So do you, do you have a TV in your bedroom? Do you watch TV in your bedroom? Uh, I have a TV in my bedroom and yes, sometimes I watch TV in my bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I don't do that anymore. Okay. Uh, That's part of your, uh, mm -hmm. your sleep regime. I know it's not supposed to have a TV in your bedroom. I know. I mean, I still have the TV there, but I don't watch it. I unplugged it. And, uh, okay. Well then you, 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 your answer to question number four is very simple, Liz. You can only watch it in the living room. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Or, or on my phone, apparently (laughs) the, no, that's true. Yeah. TV, hmm, TV is so excellent now. It's, it's worth making your choices. You know, this is the beginning of the season, uh, for the broadcast networks. But for the cable networks, there are new shows all the time and, you know, Netflix and Hulu and Amazon, there are new shows all the time. So it's hard to say when things actually begin. But I did suggest a show months ago that premieres this week, Julie. So I just want to remind people that my favorite show of the new season, and I saw almost all of the pilots, is Pitch, the one about the first woman to ah. to play in Major League Baseball. And Pitch premieres this Thursday night, September 22nd. So just a little reminder, I think you should try it. 
especially if you love baseball. I know you love baseball. So, you okay, know. let's just take pitch. So that's one that I want to pay attention. So I'm going to be sitting in the living room. Yes. I probably can talk my husband into watching it because it's about baseball. Right. So I watch it with him. Yes. I'm going to watch it on a TV. Okay. Yes. So yep. that will be my device. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And you can watch and- it live. There's no le- no need to delay it. You no, know, I watch just, it. Li- I will watch it live. So uh, uh-huh. there you go. And I have a positive review of it. Okay, Liz, five questions. Good. I'm all set with pitch. <laughs> I will be very curious to see what you and your husband think of that show. Because okay. uh, anyway, I was happily surprised. Okay. Who TV watching. So exhausting. <laughs> exhausting. Uh, moving on. I would like to reinstitute Satellite Sisters of the Week, which we sort of dip in and out of handing out these kinds of awards. Uh, But I saw something happen this weekend in the world of sport, Julie, Mm -hmm. that made me say, these two athletes, clearly Satellite Sisters of the Week. And the athletes are the two Brownlee brothers, Alistair Brownlee and Johnny Brownlee. They are triathletes from the U.K., Okay. They were competing in a triathlon in Cozumel, Mexico this weekend. Did you catch any of that? No, no. I was at a family wedding, Liz. Oh, no, that's right. That's right. So was I. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Anyway, so the – and these are the two brothers that came in like gold and silver in the Rio Olympics. Right. So so Johnny, who was the silver medalist in Rio, um, he started to collapse – and his brother came by and, like, literally he collapsed, got very disoriented. And when you look at the video, it's painful to watch because he has no idea where he is. Oh, He's dear. just completely spent. And then, you know, the brother comes by, not only stops to care for his brother, but then picks him up and, like, carries, drags, Pushes him over the finish line. Oh, my gosh. It is really, really unbelievable. Um, So it was because Alistair, the other brother, had been running in third place that he could just, like, wrap his arms around his brother. They had less than a kilometer to go. And it is really pretty much your... this is your solid gold satellite sister of the week moment. So if you get a chance to look at that online, just just Google that. Google Brownlee Brothers, and you will see what I mean. Okay, um, we love we love inspiring sibling stories. Yeah, so that's great, Liz. And here's the other satellite sisters of the week that I would like to name for this week. Um, it's a little group called the Beatles, Julie. Um, I know we all feel like we know the Beatles, and mm-hmm. again, we are in the demo where we grew up with the Beatles. But yesterday afternoon, I went to see the new Beatles documentary called Eight Days a Week, which was done by uh, Ron Howard. Oh, yes. How is that? So it's in movie theaters, select movie theaters, I think like 80 around the country or something. And it's also streaming on Hulu. The, so you can see it wherever you are. The advantage to seeing it in a movie theater is that besides the documentary, you get a 30-minute digitally remastered 4k version of their Shea stadium performance, which is covered in the documentary. So that's an extra incentive to see it on the big, huge screen with the big, huge sound system. Anyway, eight days a week. The number one thing you that I came away with having watched this is that they were so much, uh, a, a band of brothers 
and that everything they did during those early years, nobody knew what it was really like to be a be to be a Beatle, except for the Beatles themselves. Yeah. And so you just hear them, you see them. Oh my goodness! Remember how adorable they are? And they were. I mean, we all had crushes on the Beatles. Yeah. But yeah. they were just so joyful, but they were also so smart and funny. And so there's old interview footage. That, that, the stuff that I like the best is when it shows them in the recording studio, how they work together, particularly how Paul and John work together, but all of them. But Paul also explained that the way they voted as a, uh, as a band, that it was for or nothing, that either everyone had to agree we're going to do this or they didn't do it. And, uh, you know, and you can see in every picture, they're all like just cuddling together and they're, they're just like <laughs> hanging on to each other. So it really reminds you like that they were the first of this new modern version of, of celebrity mm-hmm. and, uh, and what that was like for them. It's fascinating to look at that. But also there are a few other interviews that they cut in. Uh, I was reading some background on it last night, and it said that after Ron Howard did the first edit of it, he he let Paul and Ringo look at it, and they wanted to see more of themselves and less of these other people. So, <laughs> so uh, look for them. They're, they're the Beatles. They're the Beatles. Okay. Yeah. And again, their point was, we're the ones that knew what it was like to be a Beatle. So if that's what we're trying to capture here, more of us, less of the other people. So they, there were other interviews that got cut out entirely, like Ed Sheeran, the singer, who I have to admit I love, and he's a huge Beatles fan. He was shot for this but left on the cutting room floor. Sorry, Ed. Um, but Elvis Costello is in it, and he's great. Whoopi Goldberg is in it. She was at that Shea Stadium concert. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so there are a handful of other people in there that really give you perspective. Uh, but Elvis Costello, to me, is particularly interesting because he kind of also grew up in that part of England. But as a musician, just talked about their musicianship and how hard it is to do what they did. And they're looking at the Shea Stadium footage or their final concert in the U.S. was Candlestick Park. And, you know, he's commenting like they can't even hear themselves at all. So the fact that they are in tune and in time is just Mm -hmm. miraculous. Mm -hmm. And then they have an interview with Ringo saying, yes, in that Shea Stadium concert, he literally couldn't even hear the song. He didn't know where they were in the song, except from watching the way uh, John and Paul were sort of moving their butts and turning their heads. So uh, anyway, so. Um, oh, it sounds worth watching. Definitely. Totally that's worth a- watching. And it is just, it's the definition of brotherhood. When you watch what they meant to each other and how they supported each other and what that friendship was like in the very, very early days. It's just, it's a great movie about friendship. And then, of course, it's the Beatles. So in my theater, two very funny things. I I only felt slightly guilty going to a Monday afternoon matinee. But then again, under the banner of Liz Not Business, I'm allowed to go to a Monday afternoon matinee, wouldn't you think? Yes, Liz. Totally approval. Okay. Theater was full, Julie. <laughs> Theater. Well, you live in LA. And I know. Do. They go to the movies all the time. It's like was, the movie capital of the world. I That's was looking around business. at these people. I'm like, well, who are you people? And really, this many people go to Monday afternoon matinees? Who knew? So, uh, so that was great. 
and uh to be in a full theater was good because people were like laughing and cheering and clapping like at the end of a song that they would sing people in the audience in the movie theater they were clapping like they would if they were at the concert it oh. was uh people were they were, singing along i i think no, I thank was, goodness there was no singing along okay that's uh, but it was a certain demographic of people who were uh who were very very engaged with the movie so if you can see it in a theater do it if you can but if not it's already streaming on hulu i heartily recommend i posted this on the satellite sisters facebook group and i know a lot of you have already seen it and are posting your comments so feel free to post more anyway i feel like the beatles were also satellite sisters you know uh because they stuck together so so i recommend Okay, Liz. Good. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Okay. All right. Now, we, speaking of performances, I want to talk about our new season. Because it's coming up. It's coming up. It's really hard to believe this, Julie, but next week, we will be kicking off our 16th season. Can you believe that? The, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> our debut, the first Satellite Sister show, aired on April Fool's Day, 2000. I know. You know, it's amazing. We spent three years in public radio, then five years on ABC radio daily, and now we've been doing podcasts since 2008. We were podcast pioneers. Yep, 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 we were. So now we're excited to announce how we're going to move forward starting next week. So season 16 starts next week. You will get a new show every Tuesday from Leon, Julie, and me. Uh, Sheila and Monica are both concentrating on other work and life commitments, so they will not be on the new shows. That's their decision, but you will continue to hear them on the weekend new to you shows. Plus, Leanne and I will continue to do fresh new TV recap shows, starting with Madam Secretary, well, actually starting with Poldark, which starts on Sunday the 25th. And then Madam Secretary, that the new season kicks off on October 2nd. Wow. We're going to have a lot of new shows. Fresh, mm-hmm. fresh shows. All right. So hooray for our season 16 kickoff. That's next week. If you want to keep in touch with us for any of our news, uh, join the Satellite Sisters Facebook group or like the Satellite Sisters Facebook page. And if you subscribe to our show on iTunes or Stitcher, you will always get the new shows as soon as they're available. So, and also the new to you shows. Yeah. And if you're at iTunes and Stitcher, we love it when you can uh, rate our shows or review our shows because it helps our Google ranking, which means we get more Satellite Sisters into the Satellite Sisterhood. So that's our big news of the day. So you'll get more next week on our big season premiere. Season premiere. Can you believe it's 16 years? This is a true labor of love for us. So we are just so happy to be starting another new season. Leanne will be back. She, today is the day she is dropping her son off at college. So uh, that's where she is right now. And uh, we'll be back next week with season 16. Woohoo. All right. So um, what else you got going on this week, Julie? Anything? Well, Liz, I gave a big talk last night uh, to a very nice group of women with, with the National Charity League, so I have some follow-up work to do on that. I've got another big speech coming up in a, in a few short weeks, so I'm working on that. How wow. about you? That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't really have anything to do. Okay, go, <laughs> going to the movies this afternoon? Going to call Brad? No, I, I, okay, here's a little etiquette question. I have a dentist appointment this afternoon, just routine uh, teeth cleaning. 
Uh, so should I bring up or not bring up the fact that flossing is now proven to be bogus? Yeah, you go ahead. You try that. You tell the you tell your dentist that flossing is is bogus and that you read some study. Just just I just dare you to, Liz. I just dare you. And just see what she says back. Yeah, you know what she's gonna say. She, yeah. you know, you know. I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, right. So that's my big decision today. Whew. The flossing discussion, uh, and then just Liz. doing doing a few other Satellite Sisters things. We're working on a couple of promotional plans for the fall uh, for You're the Best, a celebration of friendship. So we'll probably have those to announce next week, too. So anyway, that's our show for this week. We always have fun doing this. Uh, Thank you for listening. We are the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sisters.